Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the business of your mind. And our guest today does not even know that he's got to do that, but he's got to do it at some point. He's a real cool guy. Y'all meet him in a minute. But uh, how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? Uh, it's been a very interesting week. I don't know if y'all saw the debates. You know, so this episode right here, you better have your money right in case you got to do a quick, a quick exit. Because <laughs> it looked like the, the presidential ca- candidates, you know, might end up being like that uh, Tyson match. You know, the Tyson and uh, Roy Jones match, you know, we don't know what's going to break out. You want you might see two senior citizens fighting at the next debate. So, you know, and then all chaos breaks out, everybody's fighting. But uh, got a lot of interesting things we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, for all of the love that you have been showing the, the live stream, the podcast, like all the comments, everybody uh, chiming in. Um, after every episode, we're getting a lot of great feedback. And I just want to make sure that we're coming to y'all with phenomenal content, things that can help impact your life. Um, and let's do it. So today, our topic is money matters. And what we're going to be talking about is, of course, you know, money matters. But we're also going to be talking about how your mindset impacts your money. Y'all hear about billionaires and millionaires jumping off buildings and committing suicide. It's because money is not going to make you happy. And if you think money going to make you happy, we got a brother that can tell you that money ain't going to make you happy, but he can show you how to make a whole lot of money. And, uh, yeah. So I just, I just, I just want y'all to get ready and be prepared. If you want to be empowered financially, uh, uh, he's doing some phenomenal work. We, we have worked together for about five, six years. It feels like longer than that because sometimes it gets on my nerves. And I'm talking like this because, you know, he's like a real good friend of mine. Um, but I'm about to, you are, it is it is truly a blessing to have this brother on this live stream. He is one of the smartest dudes that I know. Um, and you're truly going to be blessed with the information that he's going to provide. Um his name is Dr. C.W. Copeland, Ph.D. He is a personal finance consultant for Gap International LLC, the best financial services company in the universe. Y'all know that, right? It's the best. I'm not biased at all. Uh, <laughs> he is also an, a, an adjunct professor of insurance at the American College of Financial Services and adjunct professor of retirement at the College for Financial Planning and a professor of finance at Clark Atlanta University. I think my little dumb self uh, needs to not be on this episode. I'm just going to let Dr. Copeland have it. Because uh, <laughs> I don't have near, <laughs> nowhere near those credentials, but I'm glad to be attached to the brother. They always say hang around people that are smarter than you, and that's what I tend to do. So I want to be the dumbest person in every circle I'm in. Uh, Dr. Copeland conducts scholarly research in behavior economics and teaches graduate level business courses. He has been a regular guest on radio and television shows across the country where he addresses audience on financial planning strategies on a regular basis. Dr. Copeland has served for a very long 22 years as an instructor with R.S. Thomas Training Associates, providing pre-licensing training, 
continuing education, and business development advice for financial services professionals. Dr. Copeland has more than 20 years of industry experience as a financial services professional where he coordinates the efforts of attorneys, tax advisors, employee benefits coordinators, estate and business planners, and pension managers for the benefit of his clients. He is widely considered as an expert in personal finance, otherwise known as the money man, and holds the prestigious chart of financial cons- <laughs> and holds the prestigious chart of financial consultant CHFC and Chartered Life Underwriter CLU designations. Without further ado, we are about to bring to you the baddest money man in the country, Dr. C.W. Copeland. And yes, he is a phenomenal guy. How are you doing, Dr. Copeland? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you bringing me on your show. Um, you know, it sounds like I might have written that as much good information as you had in there. <laughs> well, hey, man, I, I was reading it like, man, this this the same dude that I, okay, okay, all right, you so might know a little dude, something. <laughs> but it's not a dude you had to go drink beer with. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we have a we have some phenomenal times together. And I knew that uh, you would be a blessing to be on this show. And I appreciate you for coming on this show because so many people – you know, look to uh, look look to us for guidance, and I know they look to you for guidance, and I look I look to you for guidance. You know, you helped me put together some amazing plans for people, and had it not been for you, there are a lot of things I would not be doing right now because the brother has a PhD in financial planning, and it's only like 96, 97 people in the whole country that have this designation. If you don't know how powerful that is. That means that this man understands everything from the options to the margin to to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and how to keep your baby mom out your money. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to do it all. So I just want you to, um, you know, if you could just very briefly, uh, well, not, not so briefly, like I told you, got an hour, about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, if you could just give everybody your background, where you're from, you know, who are you, man? I know who you are, but they don't know who you are. Hey, well, I was raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and have been here most of my life. Um, didn't start out in financial uh, services at all. I was actually an engineer. So I actually transitioned into this industry. But I tell people that engineering is um, problem solving. And so financial services is also problem solving. And when I transitioned into this industry, I realized that I was able to help a lot more people um, doing some of the things that I was teaching myself. And so it's pretty exciting to be able to do that. And, you know, we all called to some form of ministry. And this is, I think, my form of ministry. I'm not going to be in a mm. pulpit, but I will be trying to help people. Um, you know, I won't be saving souls that way, but I'll be saving some pocket books and things of that nature. Saving, right. some bank, saving some bank accounts. So we can't we can't start the, the uh, church of money. I mean, ain't that what a church is a lot of times anyway? That might be a good idea. <laughs> the church of money. You know, you, go, you when, when you come to our church, you gonna know exactly you got to spend some money. That's that's an, hey, we we gonna start this church, y'all. But pass, we, pass the plate up front. <laughs> right, pass the plate, and we but we also gonna make sure that you're partaking in the fruits of the money that you're giving us. Can I get a man? <laughs> 
Man, that is phenomenal stuff, man. Um, you know, so, you know, right now, you know, it might be a, you know, uh, I don't think it's no surprise to anybody that we're in a once in a century pandemic and a, I, I, I believe a depression. What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Copeland? Because I think we have a depression. The only thing keeping us afloat right now is stimuli from the government. Um, well, from an economic standpoint, if you just look, Go if ahead. you just look at economic theory, we're we're not there yet. Looking at the number of uh, quarters, we need to be at a certain point. But uh, I do know a lot of people are feeling it as if we were in a right. depression. So mm-hmm. uh, we might as well, you know, no matter what the economists call it, if people are feeling that pinch, then that's essentially where we are. Right. Absolutely. So, with that being said, what what have you seen? Um, have you have you have you had more more people leaning on you for guidance and how how are you calming people's anxiety and their fears during these times? It's funny you ask that because I think the internet has been a really good tool for most people because it provides instant access to information, but I also okay. think it provides uh, I mean there's just as much uh, wrong information on the information as it, that there is right information and so. People are out there trying to find information and, and really confused as far as what information is good information. So for me, this has actually been a great time because people are actually seeking out um, professional advice now, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people are doing trying to do, do it themselves and finding out that when things were going well, they thought that they were making good decisions. But then when things are going bad, they realize that no, the decisions they made in the first place were not necessarily a good decision. It was just so happened that the economy was doing working a certain way, or um, their retirement plan was growing because you know the stock market was doing something. But it had nothing to do with the decisions that they were making. And so sometimes that's just the case. You make decisions, and you get in the benefit of those decisions, whether they're good decisions or not. You still could get an upside of it. But right. on the other side, you know, when you look at it from the standpoint of Sometimes you just don't know you're making bad decisions just because things are still working out. Mm. Mm. You know, but obviously there are a group of people out there that are broke, and uh, when they know that you know they know they're broke, it's the people who are able to get by a little bit making bad decisions because they have enough money in their bank account to cover those mistakes. Mm. Well, that's that's a um, a very uh, profound um, statement. Um, realizing that so many people, you know, that we're, that we're all in different places. I mean, you see people, some people making a lot of money right now, but then you see a lot of people that, you know, are barely getting by and some not getting by because, you know, we don't have, you know, some of the things that we had, you know, when we first entered into this period of, uh, you know, of economic downturn, you know, so, um, with that, what would be some, I guess, some helpful tips that you would give a client if somebody was coming to you, they um, had just lost their job possibly, or they're afraid, or they're still employed, but they're afraid of losing their job. What are some of the things that you would advise them to do to help shelter or protect themselves during this time? Okay, so... um... I'm always a fan of people saving money. Um, a lot of people like to treat themselves. And again, I, I have no problem with people working hard and, and uh, 
you know, enjoying the fruits of their labor because we, we don't know how long we're going to be here. But mm -hmm. I do know that um, for most of us, we're going to be here, you know, I guess if you're under 50, you're going to be here uh, probably just as long as you, you still have just as much time left as you have been on this earth. Right. And if you're younger than that, then you have more time left. And so if you think about it, if I have if I potentially have 50 plus years to be on this earth, then I need to make some decisions uh, that will carry me that additional 50 plus years. If I'm spending every dime that I make now, then there's no way I'm going to be able to support myself in the future. Just think about the math. If I make 50,000 a year, just using a number like that, um, let's make even 30. If I make 30,000 a year, if I don't save $30,000 uh, or anywhere close to that, it's unlikely that I'll be able to live on a $30,000 salary once I retire because there's mm -hmm. no money there to do that. So for those people who are saving 10% of their income, saving $3,000 a year, if you think about that, they're saving $3,000 a year. And let's say they save it from the time they're 20 to the time they're 60. So 40 years, they save $3,000 a year. Mm. Not a lot of money. You know, right. So you have $120,000 saved. Maybe it grows to $300,000. Maybe it grows, let's say it even triples. Um, maybe it's at you know, 450000 or somewhere in that range. But mm. again, if I'm still living on 30000 a year and I'm 60 years old, that $450,000 is gone in how, what period of time? We do the math, it's gone in 15 years. All right. Mm. So um, it is very likely that uh, an individual um, saving 10% of that money is not going to be able to make it. So going back to the point you asked about if a person is afraid of losing their job, uh, I, again, I have to get back to living uh, on a basic lifestyle. Again, we, we have to have a roof over our head, but what roof is it? Does it have to be a roof and buckhead or can it be a roof and bankhead? The issue you have to decide is where you're going to live. Um, yeah, you must maintain that first, um, keeping your utilities and all those things on. Have a car, but does the car have to be uh, a Range Rover? You know, can it be a simple car, Kia Hyundai? Can it be, you mm. know, something that will get you from point A to point B? Right. Again, I know people like to show what they have, but unless you saved a lot of money, then it may not be the right time to do those types of things. And again, I, mm. I'm going to go to the other side of the uh, spectrum as well. We don't know how long we're going to be here. So I know that the idea of saving and not being able to enjoy my money is a mindset that some people have. Um, and I accept that. The issue, though, is suppose I'm here another 60 years and I mm. spend all my money now. Right. So, you know, you've heard the adage, you pay me now, I pay me later. Right. I, I would rather pay now than pay later. I'd rather pay now, get it out of the way and enjoy my lifestyle in the future than to enjoy it all now and um, be, uh, be be a greeter at some um, <laughs> worldwide store. Um, right. when I'm 80 hmm. years old. What store is that? <laughs> so we want to call them out, but if you think about it, I, I would imagine that most of those people aren't there because they are bored. Hmm. I would imagine most of those people are not there because they're bored. They're there because they have to, because not because they all made bad decisions, but some of them might have. Right. Uh, some of them might have been thrust into that situation, but many of us, many of us do put ourselves in the positions we're in uh, hmm. when it comes to having um, a, a, being at a point of need when we're worried about whether I, waiting on our next paycheck. Many of us put ourselves in those positions mm. because of the, the decisions you make. Right. I used to state all the time when I do seminars, every financial decision you make either brings you closer to your goals or takes you further away from your goals. 
and a lot of people don't want to be accountable for their decisions. They want to blame other people. So, you know, I, I think it's important to be accountable for the decisions you make. Mm. Take credit for those good decisions and take credit for the bad decisions. So kind of like when you're when you're, when you're uh, talking to your child, you know, uh, I had a conversation with one, one of mine's, you know, dealing with money. You know, he blew all this money and, you know, and wanted me to take up the slack. I'm like, nah, son, this is a this this is called learn, learn the hard way, you know. <laughs> Um, so with that, you know, um, if people grew up in our environment, so this is, this is, this is part of this, this, this mindset thing. A lot of people grew up in situations where they saw their parents either living paycheck to paycheck or living impoverished or making a lot of money, but spending every dime. So they never were taught proper money habits. Where, where do they, where can they go? to learn that. So in your seminars, are you teaching that or like, how does, how does, how does that work? Well, we're all impacted by uh, obviously our environment and our experiences. And so uh, our experiences may make us be people who hoard money and our experiences Mm. maybe make us people who spend a lot of money. Mm. I mean, you could have two people growing up in the same household who make different financial decisions um, as adults, just based on what they watch their parents do or based on what happened to them um, d- during their time growing up. I remember um, my sister and I obviously grew up in the same household. Uh, we have different mindsets now as far as money, uh, but mine came from the fact that when I was in college, a freshman in college, I had 13 credit cards and no job. Mm. So um, my parents worked hard. Um, they gave us everything we wanted. I don't th- think we ever wanted for anything. Um, but I also was watched a lot of television, watched a lot of people that had stuff, and I wanted stuff. Right. So I would have got 13 credit cards and had no <laughs> 13. job. <laughs> 13 credit cards at 18 years old with no job. So Jeez. that actually haunted me for many years, and I had to learn uh, different things to get myself out of that position. But So that experience itself changed my mindset and my behavior. So mm. whereas, um, you know, a lot of people may say that I'm cheap. I just like to find new ways of, of spending money and the creative ways of spending money and saving or spending money the um, least costly way as possible, if that makes sense. I, I don't mind spending money, but I find it, try to find the cheapest way to spend my money and Absolutely. get the best quality for that. So Understood. if I, I tell some friends recently when I, um, the last couple of vacations I went on, I um, was able to pay for those vacations through some things that I brought back and sold to other <laughs> friends. And so by selling uh, things that I brought back from vacation, I paid for my vacations. And so that actually worked to my advantage. I got a free vacation out of it. And so, again, the issue is not denying myself. It's trying to figure out the best way to, uh, the best way to enjoy myself mm. that, you know, w- without going broke. Yeah. And I've, I've learned that by, you know, as our friendship has evolved and, you know, and just, you have been very impactful with me, you know, um, because, you know, I've, I still like things, but, uh, one of the reasons why I got in this industry, you know, was so that I could help people, you know, and also, you know, empower myself and man, so that my kids, you know, can, uh, utilize strategies where if they want that car, 
they're not really paying for the car or the car is already paid for because of the strategies that because of how they got the uh because of where they put the money from so um and i know that you know throughout throughout this pandemic and over, over the last over the last couple of years uh we have developed a lot of strategies or some some very key strategies um that have helped empower a lot of people that did not know that certain things existed. Um, so with that, uh, how important is it for people to understand interest, to understand where their money's come, for, for them to understand where the money's being pulled from? Because people just look at money as money, but a loan is, is a different type of money than cash that you have that you don't owe interest on. And if that and if that money is being pulled from a money market account, it is different than money being pulled from a checking account with no interest. If it's being pulled from a a stock account, so can you kind of kind of uh, and hopefully you understand where I'm going with this. Um, but can you kind of um, what kind of things are do you ever advise your clients? And of course, I know the answer, but I want other people here to answer. Um, advise your clients on where they're pulling their money from and the importance of that money coming from a place that isn't also costing you money because you might think you're paying 5% interest, but if, but if it was a loan and you're, and if it was a loan to get another loan, you're actually paying way more interest than that. Yes. So let me, uh, before I get that, I want to, I want to work my way to that. So okay. I had a colleague who, in a lot of his presentations, he would say, well, there's a, of a spectrum of information that I know. So if I just look out there, I mean, I know, I know that one plus one is two. I know that, you know, difference between red and blue and green. So there's some things out there that I actually know. We also know there's a space of information out there that I don't know. I know that there's, um, you know, brain surgery is possible. I don't know how to do brain surgery, but I do know it's possible. So I know that I'm not the person to do brain surgery. So right. I got this space of stuff I know. I got the space of stuff I don't know. But there's also some space out there of things I don't know that I don't know. Mm. Right. So when you, when you, that space, I, if somebody now is telling me about something, let's just, let's say for instance somebody told me that aliens existed, I'm, and I'm again, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> then. And, and I'm gonna say, well, that doesn't even make sense. But then when somebody shows me an alien, and then I can't deny it at that point. So it was something that I didn't know that now I accept it because I actually saw it. So there's information out there that people really don't know, and but they don't realize they don't know it either. So that's why I, I want to get back to that issue of brain surgery. Mm -hmm. I know I don't know brain surgery, so I'm not gonna mm -hmm. try it. That's mm -hmm. the information that I know that I don't know. But there's a whole space of information out there, and it might be small, but it's still out there. It could be big for a lot of people, but there's information out there that I know that I don't even know that I'm clueless of stuff that's out there. So we get back to this thing you're talking about with regards to money. Um, where you put your money, you might be, and you, I'm going to use the term ignorant just because it's information that you weren't aware of, to mm. where to put your money. It doesn't mm. mean that you don't want to make the right decisions. You right. may just have misinformation or no information about where to put the money. Mm. Again, going back to my comment about the internet, there's a lot of good information on the internet, and there's a lot, but in, in, the internet gives you quick access to information. It doesn't mean it gives you access to all good information. It can right. give you access to just as much wrong information. So 
going to look at something, and I, and I actually had this happen recently. Uh, a young lady told me that her sister went to try to look up something about what I was telling her, and I asked her, well, did your sister know what she was looking for? You know, one thing is to say, okay, this topic is out there, but you don't know what to research. Um, so there's aspects of this, if I was talking about XYZ, but then there's a um, a different different way to, you know, excuse me, some, some specific information you need to look for in order to find XYZ, then mm -hmm. it's important that you know how to go about finding it. It doesn't mean that XYZ doesn't exist or the information you find about XYZ, uh, you find some information, but you don't find everything you're looking for because you didn't know what information to put in. So to the point you're asking, money markets might be great. The issue with money markets, if you think about money markets as, an, as a tool, um, the money is taxable, even though it didn't get much growth, that money is taxable. Mm. So it's safe. And a lot of people like them because the money is safe. You can't lose your money in a money market. You know, if it's in a in an institution that's FDIC insured, if it's under $250,000, you're not worried about losing the money um, in that situation. But if you're looking at growth, you're not going to get growth from it. Mm. You know, you might be at half a percent growth. But you're also going to be taxed on that half a percent. So right. that's one piece. But then you say, okay, well, I want to have a lot of growth, but I want safety. Well, you probably won't find that vehicle if we want a lot of growth and want safety. Or if you do, there's going to be some other challenges out there as far as there are going to be some restrictions that allow you to do those things. Getting to the point about these different tools, understanding you have to have, have the right people like uh, Felipe Bagagne helping you identify some of these tools and uh, explaining the pros and cons of those things. So money markets, savings accounts, CDs, uh, 401k plans, um, brokers accounts, Roth IRAs, um, insurance policies. I mean, all of these things are good economic tools. The issue is understanding how they each work. As an mm. example, I'll go into even more detail. If I were to retire this year and all of my money was in a 401k plan, then I'm pulling money out that's going to be fully taxed because it's never been taxed before. Well, that's fine. If I have, and if, especially if I have a lot of money, I'm taking a lot of money out. We know the highest tax bracket right now is 20, is 37% rather. That's the highest tax bracket. Well, the Tax and Jobs Act that was created ends in, in uh, at least in regards to these this tax issues, uh, ends in two, two, 2026. So when I think about it, it ends in 2026, that means in 2027 and maybe a few years after that, let's say 2027 to 2035. The tax bracket is going to go which direction would you think? Mm. If there is the highest it's 37 right now and they actually lowered the tax brackets. It's going up. It's going up. <laughs> going so up. let's say at that point, the tax brackets may be at 50%. So what does that mean dollar-wise? If I'm trying to take $50,000 out of my retirement plan that year and it's taxed at 50%, I get 25000 Uncle Sam gets 25000 And that's a bad position to be in. So... Mm. Now, if all of my money is in retirement plans, then every time I take money out, half of it is going to be taxed. So it would make sense to have money in other places where I wouldn't pay tax. And so finding vehicles where I either pay minimal taxes or no taxes is where I would want to do that. Mm. So we need to understand you know, the dynamics of these different vehicles and what allows you to do 
what in what situation. I'm not saying that all your money needs to be in any vehicle. I'm just saying if you you need to know the pros and cons of everything you have your money in and having your money in a variety of places could make a lot of sense depending on your unique financial situation. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and so, since we have so, an hour, a, a hour left, I'm sure we have a lot of time to delve, delve deeper into some of those other concepts as far as far as products are concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so with that being said, when you start and I, and I, I know that neither, neither one of us are, are accountants, but we do understand that there are things that wealthy people do that a lot of times people think that they don't have the money. You know, I'm not, is there anybody that you feel like that truly can say, as long as they're employed, is there a client that you feel like you just could not help? Regardless of, you know, is there a certain type of client that you look for, or do you, or is there something that everybody can do to help move the dial forward, to 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 basically move the dial forward in their lives? Well, certainly every employed person has the capacity to move forward. The issue, the, your show, the business of your mind. Um, if people's mindset is wrong, some people can't be helped because they don't want to be helped. Mm. But if they want to be helped, then Clearly, they don't have to even make a lot of money to be helped. They just have to want to be helped. So when you have people that want to be helped and they're willing to accept guidance, then you can help them. If mm. they're not willing to accept guidance, then you can't help them. If, if, I, if I tell you that my highest priority was getting out of debt, but then I'm spending money every day on you know, going to Linux Mall, then there's a problem with that because that can't be my highest priority. If right. I'm constantly, um, you know, charging stuff, getting back in debt, or so, if my goal is to save for a house, save for retirement, save for my children's college education, if I demonstrate that behavior to you because I'm saving towards those goals, then that means that I'm saying, uh, Felipe, help me. I can, you know, I'm willing to get there. But if I'm not demonstrating that behavior, there's nothing that you can do to help me because I'm showing you that my priorities are not where I'm telling you. Hmm. So it sounds like you're saying that, you know, we can give you the strategy, but, uh, but the strategy is no good <laughs> if you're not going to implement said strategy and follow the guidelines and you're not, you're not really into um, doing the, the proper things with your money. Is that that's, what, that's exactly what <laughs> is being said. <laughs> All right. Just wanted to make sure, you know, because one of the things that, you know, I, I know a lot of like a lot of the clients that, 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 uh, you know, that we work with, um, a lot of times they won't have the, they have not been versed in how to properly allocate their financial resources. Cause these are resources, people, your money, is probably one of the most important tools outside of your family relationship with God. It's probably one of the most important financial tools that you, one of the most important tools or resources that you have because yeah, people say things like, you know, money is the root of all evil, but it's what you do with the money that makes money evil. But if you got a lot of money and you, and you, and you're a good steward of your money, you know, by helping people, allocating the right, you know, doing different things, you know, um, you know, then money can actually help empower and actually help you 
leave uh, leave yourself and your family and actually the world in a, in a better situation, depending on what you do with it and, 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 and what you're aspiring to do. So with that being said, um, when we're when we're dealing with clients and, you know, a lot of people, they are ashamed of where they are. I know I meet with people that they're like, you know, I'm 45, I'm 50, I'm 55 years old and I ain't never did nothing. Is there any age where it's too late for you to change? I, I would say no, because you're still going to be 56 next year or, mm. or, you know, 65 the year after that. So regardless of whether you take action, you're, you know, you're still going to be a year older. So the best thing to do and is not beat yourself over the head about what you didn't do. If you're ready to move forward, then is you know look at what the strategies you have are available to help them move forward. It may take baby steps. It could mm. be giant steps. You know the issue is figuring out: Am I ready to move forward? And if so, can this guy help me move forward? And if if I, I'm open-minded, then there's a lot that can be done. Mm. Mm. So. With that, um, with people not really understanding that, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know, because you hear people, you know, they want to, you know, hey, I got, you know, I got uh, $10,000. I got $100,000. Can you make, can you flip this into a, you know, a million dollars in the next? Well, no, this is not the dope game. (laughs) We're not selling drugs, you know, but we do have something that, you know, you give us, you know, 15, 20 years, you know, and not even that long, depending on what you're trying to do, you know, and you could see it, but of course it's all, it all boils down to how much money you have. Right. You know, and, and how much you're willing to sacrifice because everything is a sacrifice. You're even sacrificing, you know, when you go to Macy's, you know, and spend your whole paycheck, that's a sacrifice. You might not look at it that way, but you're sacrificing something in the form of money for you to go there and then all of a sudden not have any money until your next payday. Cause, and, and, and I hate when they say most people live paycheck to paycheck. Most people, in my opinion, and we can have a dialogue about this. You might disagree, but I feel like most people live paycheck to paycheck because of their, of their spending habits, not because they, they're, they're having to live paycheck to paycheck. But, um, and I used to use an analogy with some of our clients, you know, when we were in a prison system, you know, and I would see employees come by me, every day with a bag of Zaxby's. And I'm like, hmm. But they'll be like, man, I ain't got no money. I'm like, hey, hmm. <laughs> every day you pass me, you're, you're buying, you know, you have a bag of Zaxby's. And I know if you go into Zaxby's, you're spending $9, $10. Easily. Per meal. And I know that that's not the only time you're eating out because that's just your lunch. So you're probably doing the same thing at breakfast, same thing at dinner time. So you have the money but you, but for but for but uh, for some reason, people don't associate their. I, I don't want to call eating out compulsive, but I guess it, I guess it could be a form of compulsive because it's it is compulsive. I don't feel like cooking. I'm just gonna stop by Zaxby's, you know, stop by wherever, you know. Um, but so so I used to tell people, okay, look, I ain't trying to tell you not to get your wings and things. All right, you can go ahead and get your wings and things, you know, but. How about you one day a week, you don't do that. 
one day a week you don't you don't buy breakfast out one day a week you don't buy you know one day a week of, of what you're currently doing uh and one and one day a week you don't uh eat out for dinner use that money to set aside to help plan for your future whether it's that you know whether that's you know your retirement you know your children's education you know, life insurance, which you know is a big problem. A lot of people don't have adequate life insurance. Um, so with that, what type of advice are you giving people when it comes to, you know, spending? Because I just gave, you know, my, you know, my whole Zaxby's analogy. But when you meet with a client, because we meet with people that are making 30000 that, you know, that might are doing better than the person that's make five hundred thousand dollars a year. True. You know, and so in that in that scenario, what do you do to kind of make sure that the person does not because we, we don't want people to feel like they're they're being attacked, but we also want them to understand that their habits, if they made slight changes in their in their spending habits, that it could make a world of difference. What how do you take a client down that road? Okay, so um, most of us now are fans of either Waze or Google Maps. And so we go in there for direction on how to get from point A to point B. Mm. And so our finances, if we're trying to get to retirement, trying to get to the purchase of the home, trying to get to uh, sending the kids to college, there's uh, you know some direction that we need there as well. And so following the directions, um, you can, you know, just like using Waze, you can go the long way or you can go the short way. You can go the way with the tolls. You can go the way without the tolls. I mean, it's obviously a different way, but you have to have a map to get you there, correct? So with right. regards to um, our financial uh, guidance, we're trying to help people uh, map their way to their financial success. And so a lot of it has to do with making some changes. You use the term sacrifice, and I might use the term trade-off. People mm. might, you know, consider sacrifice a negative right. term. So maybe <laughs> right. how you how you frame it, right. and so it could be a trade-off. Um, you know, I, I like I like to go places just like other people, and but I I might fly the the company that where your bags fly free, because it's cheaper for me to go that route than it is for me to go on a place that's going to penalize me if I make a change. We still so, love you, Delta Airlines. You know, we're from Atlanta. We don't want y'all, you know, sending no planes to us. <laughs> <laughs> but when I look at the ticket prices, I might get a better deal. And I do know because I fly them so much that I end up with, uh, you know, a companion pass. I end up with other perks. I end up with some things that I like, which allow me to take more trips. But uh, I like to travel. And the good thing about our business, we can travel, we meet other people, we can work from anywhere in the world. And so... I'm, you know, enjoying myself somewhere else right now because of the fact that I can work anywhere. So that, you know, it's, it's good to be able to do that, but you have to have a plan for being able to do whatever it is you're doing. And for me, like I said, I like to travel. I like to play golf. So I'm, I'm the, of the mindset that I'm going to play as cheap as I can play wherever mm -hmm. I go. I'm going to fly as cheap as I can fly. Um, not well, maybe not as cheap. I might not. I might not fly. Take a flight that takes six stops to get somewhere, because that's not uh, very efficient. But I am looking for, uh, you know, a cost-effective route because I'd rather spend my money on other things. I may not stay at you know, some of the seven-star uh, hotels 
when I could stay at a Fortune Star hotel and spend that money on enjoying some of the, you know, some of the vacation items like eating out, um, right. some of the um, tour packages that I might want to do, you know, something like that. So n- not that everybody, you know, I'll say everybody, people have a desire to, you know, see what it's like to be on the other side. So, you know, we may want to see what the seven star hotel is like, but once you've done that, I don't know if it makes sense every time to do that when you can right. actually, uh, and again, I'm just talking about this limited experience on the things mm-hmm. I like to do on vacation side. So mm-hmm. I will, my trade off will be, um, I, I obviously can't take my wife to a two star hotel, uh, yeah, but she. I mean, you could, that. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could. I'll, I'll go to a four-star hotel <laughs> yeah. and utilize that money for, you know, a decent dinner. Right. Uh, uh, there are situations if I go with the, the fellas to play golf somewhere, we might go to a place where it has a kitchenette, so we might end up buying some food, grilling or something like that, because the goal is why well, spend all that money eating out when um, we can. Uh, save that money for you know other fun things. So uh, when I when I'm talking to clients, I'm trying to understand what it is that they're trying to get accomplished. And I mentioned before about the priorities. If um, if a husband and wife uh, have priority their priorities, let's say their goals are retirement, college funding, and um, buying a house. If those are three of their goals, if they don't have them prioritized the same then their money's going in different directions. You know, one may be focusing on retirement as their highest priority. The other one's focused on buying the house as their highest priority. So money is being guided into two different directions. Yeah. Uh, again, the priorities are going to be making a lot. The, the, their priorities are different, so where their money's going is going to be different. Um, there are certainly people that have different approaches to how they share money. Um, well, I make, I make the most money, so I get a chance to make the decision on how we spend the money. I make the most money, so I get the biggest portion of w- what we have, and you get the smallest portion. I, I don't know if that's the best approach for any household, but each household has to make their own decisions, and it's you know you get some guidance on those things. But when it boils down to it, they still have to come to agreement on w- which direction they want to go. You can go the long route, you can go the short route. You can go the easy way or the hard way. The issue is understanding that there are a lot of tools out there that can get you to where you want to go. And there's a lot of advisors that will try to tell you different things. The It doesn't matter if you're not going to follow the advice for one. It doesn't matter if um, you don't have, if you're not willing to accept the fact that certain thing, you know, I know what I know, or I'm going to go out on the internet. And I keep using this as an example. I'm going to go on the internet. I'm going to find some information that refutes what you said because I don't really want to do it your way. Yeah, right. What you I, can't find. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, find. I, yeah. So, Felipe, I, I know that you have this idea. It sounds good, but um, I've heard, you know, I, all my life I knew about this and it just doesn't make sense to me. That's too good to be true. Um, there, what about when my friend does this, that's one of the, you know, worst statements to hear because typically their friend doesn't have, their lifestyles aren't identical, right? Uh, Their incomes aren't identical. Their expenses aren't identical. And so it would be the same as you and I going to the same doctor, but, and they're 
giving us both the same advice without really, you know, examining examining either one of us. Right. You know, we could be identical twins, but we still might need different prescriptions. Mm. We might need different um, uh, advice as far as our diets. We might there's a lot that we might need different. So what my friend is doing may not be what's in my best situation. Mm. What my my coworker is doing may not be what's in my best situation. Sometimes what my parents have told me I should be doing may not be in my best situation because my mm. parents might have gotten bad advice. So all that being said, there's in, in guiding clients, uh, I think the most important thing is helping the client understand they have to make a decision about where they're going. We can help them get there. And once we get this thing on path, are they going to stay on path? Mm. They could get off the path, understood that things happen. Uh, house catch on fire, um, have a car accident, car breaks down, um, somebody loses a job. Those right. things happen. And the plan doesn't have to be totally be derailed, but there certainly may have to be some changes made. But a good plan would allow for some flexibility. Bumps. Yeah, like a lot of flexibility. Yeah, understood. Understood. Yeah, that's um <clears throat> one of the things that I can that I can say when we're, you know, when you're dealing with people, and they say, you know, my friend does this, my cousin does this, my mom and my dad. I'm like, you know, everybody's situation is different. There's no cookie cutter approach to this. You know, if you're if you went to, to your point, if you went to your primary care physician and he just treated everybody the same, but you you came in coughing, this person came in with <laughs> you know with a headache, this other person came in with you know with with, with a stomach virus, and he gave y'all all the same prescription. Do you think it's gonna work on everybody the same? No, because and and that's the same thing with this, and it's like you know. The clients that I know that that you have helped and that I've helped and that we've helped together, um, they are thankful. Like they to this day are still happy. <laughs> they call they call you excited because we're showing them things that um, that most of the time they've never seen before, never heard of, but um, it allows them to have a much more surefire or they have more certainty, I should say, about where they're going as opposed to just dumping money solely inside a 401k, solely inside an IRA, solely in a CD or whatever. Now they actually have a real roadmap, you know, and a a real, uh, and I I like the fact that you're using that analogy, um, you know, as it relates to a, to a doctor, because it's the same thing, you know, prescription is a prescription, you know, um, and I've, and a good friend of mine's, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Lack, he always says prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. And that applies to us as well. If you come in, if, if you, if you meet with us and everybody, we just, <laughs> we have a sheet of paper and we say, here, you know, we have everybody the same sheet of paper. This is what you're going to do. We don't know anything about you. We don't know, you know, you might have one person may have just inherited, you know, $100,000, a million dollars, $5 million or whatever, 
you know, or, and have all these different things going on. But if we don't know what you look like, what your financial health is, we really can't do anything for you because not, not anything that's going to be impactful in my opinion, because we don't know where you are. Correct. So, and I said that because, uh, it is very important that people, regardless of level, you know, plan, you know, and plan properly. And I know like right now, you know, we got a lot of people, you know, there, there are a lot of things in our community because people are afraid, you know, of, you know, what's going on. So you got these, uh, alternative things going on, you know, the susus and flowers and all this other stuff, you know, uh, you know, um, and I get it, but there are ways that you don't have to worry about, you know, whatever you're worried about when you're doing that, uh, where where you can have your money in things that no, it's not, no, you're not going to get fifty thousand dollars or twelve thousand or whatever in, in in two months, but if you plan now, your 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 future will be that much more solid, and you won't be solely relying on Medicare and Social Security. So. Um, when you're, when you're talking to clients, um, you mentioned earlier about if somebody was retiring right now and fortunately during this economic downturn, the market is still doing great. (laughs) So, but typically that's not the case. Typically the market is going in the same direction as the economy. So in that situation, how does, are there strategies that people can put in place to kind of help protect or hedge themselves against the impact of a recession to kind of almost recession proof their portfolio or, 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 or their retirement strategies? Yeah, there are products out there. And again, I don't like to push products, I like to push concepts um, oh. and again, solutions, yeah. but there's a concept called indexing. Um, where you essentially, there are products out there that allow you to take advantage of the market on the upside of the market. And when the market's down, you don't participate in the downside of the market. And so that's actually a a really good um, strategy. When you think about it, no matter uh, who's selling it, the concept itself says that you get to participate in the upside of the market and when the market's down, you don't, you're not losing on the downside. The, and, and let's think about that. When the market's down, Felipe is in an indexing strategy. He doesn't lose any money, but I lose 10%. When the market's mm-hmm. up the next year, Felipe is up from zero. Let's say zero at this point. L- let me back up. Let me re- do the, start over. The market's up 12%. So Felipe is at 12. I'm at 12. Um, and let's, let's say uh, I was in a different vehicle. I was up 15%. You're at 12, I'm 15. The market's down 10%. You stay at 12. I drop from 15 down to 5%, right? Because I lost 10%. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're at 12, I'm at 5. The next year, the market's up 15%. So I go from 15 to 20. You go from 12 to what? 27. 27, right. Right. So I'm at 20, you're at 27. You're ahead of me still because I had, I still haven't caught up with you. When the market was down, you weren't down. Mm. 
but when the market was up, I you know had to catch up with you before I can't pass you. I just was able to catch up with you. But right. again, suppose I'm in a different vehicle, and that pays me more. Well, maybe instead of getting to 20, I'm now at uh, 24. You're still at 27. Yeah. Uh, but I have to work harder to catch up with you. Mm. So again, finding being smart about vehicle selection uh, helps out a lot because it allows you to take advantage of strategies that are out there and, you know, and vehicles that allow you to exercise those strategies. Mm. And, 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 uh, and to kind of piggyback on that, um, also if it's properly designed, you know, people can possibly not outlive their retirement, which is always, uh, unless you got, you know, a, a substantial amount of money in your 401k, your IRA, there is a chance that you can outlive, you know, the um, the uh, the pot of money, for lack of a better way of saying this, uh, <laughs> that you have in your 401k, because it's, especially if it's if all you did was retire and nobody ever advised you to reallocate where that money is, and it's still, you know, uh, tied to the ebbs and flows of the market. You know, which because a lot of people retired, they don't have advisors in place, you know, and nobody ever, you know, came and said, hey, you need to rebalance this. You need to reallocate. You need to put this, you know, so with that, you know, and of course, you and I both know that there are things that people can do, you know, once they retire, you know, uh, whether it's rolling the money over into a into, into a different vehicle, you know, that can give them certainty, certainty and security as far as income, a, a stream of income during their retirement, but a lot of people don't know, you know, so, um, so when you're advising somebody that let's say, uh, cause I think you're what, like 89 or something like that, Dr. Copeland. Uh, <laughs> so when you're advising some of your fellow seniors, uh, <laughs> what's your, uh, what is the conversation like with somebody that, cause we have a lot of people that, that uh, watch this show that are, um, in that baby boomer, uh, the end of the baby boomer generation. Um, what is your advice to them? You know, if they're 55 and I've met a lot of people that are in that, that are 50, 55 that haven't even started, you know, haven't even started saving for retirement. Like what kind of advice can you give somebody that, you know, that is in that age range or maybe they have started, um, you know, about, okay, now you're 10 years from retirement hypothetically speaking, you know, hopefully, you know, what, what is some sage advice that you would give somebody in that age range? Well, since you're, <laughs> since you're a Falcons fan, I'm going to say, give up and look, say give up. <laughs> uh Oh, you are about to get some hate mail brother. No, um, <laughs> it's never too late, but the, we have to set reasonable expectations. There's, I talked about pay me now, pay me later. There are going to be people who have enjoyed lifestyle from when they started working to age, again, you say 50 or so. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be able to enjoy lifestyle from 50 to 80 or 90 simply because 
the math does not work out. Let's look at a million dollars. And people think a million dollars is a lot of money. If you lived on $50,000 a year and the money did not keep growing, the money would be gone in 20 years. Would you agree? Absolutely. Suppose it kept growing. Maybe it's gone in 27 years. I'm just making up a number. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm 55 at the time I retire, now I'm in my 80s at that point in time. Mm. So if I'm 82 years old and I'm out of money, that's not a good thing because yeah. it is likely. So if you just look at the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, say that, you know, um, Men are going to be lived to about age 85, 86, women closer to 89 because women outlive men for various reasons. And that's just on average, which means that people live longer, people live shorter. But let's say I end up, instead of 85, 86, I lived to 90. If at 82 I ran out of money, that's eight more years, I have to figure out what my steps are going to be to survive. And that's Mm. moving in with my children, my grandchildren, whatever it's going to be. Because... I've not, and that's with a million dollars. That's not the person you said who hasn't put aside a lot at that point in time. So mm-hmm. that person who hadn't put aside a lot, let's say, and I'm saying a lot, if they put aside 100000 at 55, which some people have not because data shows that that's not the case. Um, if I'm 55 and put aside $100,000, instead of retiring at 60, 65, I might be retiring at 70. And I don't think that's a bad thing because if you think about people 70 years old now, people 70 still getting around just fine. Right. Uh, I may not, I may not want to be working at 70, but the reality of the situation is if I wait five more years to retire, that's five more years I can put money into retirement. That's five fewer years I'm taking money out of retirement, mm. which you know gives me a swing of money right there. So five more years for my money to grow, five more years for me to add to my money. So that helps out tremendously. The other issue is, is I said, setting expectations. Well, maybe at 55, I'm making 40000 a year. I may have to think about I might end up living a lifestyle when I retire of 30000 a year. I may have to figure out how to cut back on some things. Mm-hmm. Because if I want to live the same lifestyle I'm currently living, I may, I'm going to run out of money sooner. Right. If, I live a, if I live a little lesser lifestyle, my money can go a lot farther. And I would rather live a little life, little less lifestyle and let my money go a, a little farther than living a, the same lifestyle and running out of money and have no money to live on, figuring out, you know, that, again, that name brand store where people are, are um, greeters at the door at, at, in their 80s. That's not the desired lifestyle for most people. What store is this? I'm trying to figure out what store you're talking about. I can't. <laughs> but, oh, man, that that is. Uh... So as it relates, how important is mindset as it relates to your money? And before you get into this, um, I know people have heard this brother say the business of your mind you know, real vanilla, like, you know, he didn't really do all, you know, y'all know I make people. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get this brother to do it, but he's a doctor, the doctor of money. So he might not, he might be too cool to do it, but I'm going to, we're going we're to try to get him there before this episode is over with. So Dr. Copeland, typically every time somebody says 
the business of your mind. Like you gotta, you gotta go mind. Like that's just how, how we do it around here. But, um, just had to let you know, but, uh, <laughs> but as it relates to, you know, um, you know, people planning properly and, you know, and just understanding where they are, uh, setting realistic expectations. Like, I don't know about you, but I'll, especially when we're doing employer groups, you know, I'll, I'll have a, a client that'll come to me, you know, they're 57 years old. They want to put aside a hundred dollars a month, you know, and retire to age 65. And unfortunately that's not realistic at all. Like that is just like, how do you coach somebody up from that? Okay. So you're talking about people's mm. um, retirement, which means you're also talking about their emotions. People are emotional about their retirement. People expect to retire. They look at what they envision themselves doing in retirement and they're sad if they can't be doing those things. Right. Um, but I mentioned that math doesn't lie. A lot of people say I, I didn't do well in math or you know, math's not my thing. You say it's not realistic. I would just let the numbers talk. Um, mm. $100 a month is $1,200 a year. If we do the math and just make it a thousand for easy calculations, mm -hmm. um, you said 57. So I do a thousand dollars a year till I'm 67. So I put in $10,000. $10,000, even if it was growing at 8% interest, is not going to get you up to, you're not doubling your money, right? Because right. the rule of 72 would say at 8%, uh, it would take you nine years to double your money. So you, you're right there. Let's say $20,000. You're $20,000. Mm -hmm. So $20,000 you put in in addition to whatever you already had. If you already had eighty thousand, now you had a hundred thousand dollars. You're sixty-seven, and you have a hundred thousand dollars. Where are you gonna go with it? Because if you used to live in a certain lifestyle, if I'm sixty-seven and I want to live, assuming that I live to eighty-seven, just because uh, they can keep me alive through medicine. Right. I have a hundred thousand dollars in twenty years. Mm. That's what five thousand a year. Right. That's not a lot of lifestyle, so we throw Social Security on top of that, which for the average person would be a thousand dollars a month. So that's another ten thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars a year. Mm. So instead of five thousand, now I'm at seventeen thousand a year. Mm. So I can I can supplement my seventeen thousand dollars by doing some <laughs> cutting some grass and uh, right. being a greeter at that um, big name store and maybe flying, if, you know, becoming a, a, a um, flight attendant somewhere. Um, you know, there are ways I can supplement my income, but that real money is $17,000 a year. Mm. So I go back to pay me now and pay me later. Mm. I don't, again, I, I understand that there's the reality that <clears throat> I can spend all, if, if I don't spend my money now, I'll die and would not have lived life. Well, that that might work for a 25-year-old, but um, the understanding is, as I stated earlier, most of us have a lot more life to live than we've already lived. You know, right. again, if you're 60, then you may have 30 to 40 years left to live, but that's still a lot of time. But if you're under 50, most of your life is still out there because right. 
and you won't be working most of the time that you're living. Mm. So you're going to have to put aside money on the front end to have more money on the back end. Mm. But the good thing you teach people is that money compounds. Right. So if you're putting it in the right place, you can get compound interest. You get your money makes interest and the interest makes interest. So what we help, help have to help teach people, and I have seen you do this before, is the earlier you start, the better off you are. Mm. Uh, there, there's a lot of good examples out there. I've seen one good story where it shows um, two people starting when they were um, 20 years old. The first one um, put money into their 26. Um, well, they, they started talking, having this discussion. The first one put money into their 26 and didn't put any more money in. Uh, the other one uh, waited till they were 26 to put money in, and mm. they put money in until um, they were like 40 or so. And the person who stopped putting money in still had more money than the person who put money in for um, that 14-year period, just mm. because of the fact that the money had time to compound. Right. They yeah. had six years of compounding, so they it was like having running a race and having a head start in the race. Mm. And a lot of people don't don't really understand the power of compounds. Co- compound interest is like it's, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. Absolutely, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so with that, uh, is there is there is there anything else that you feel that we haven't touched on? Um, if you could give people some words of wisdom on you know, just what are, are there any money principles or money habits that you have that you think, you know, um, that, you know, that have gotten you to where you are, you know, uh, I've seen, I'm not going to go into some conversations that we've had, you know, cause, uh, you know, I'm not going to call you cheap. You know, I'm going to say that you, 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 uh, properly use, uh, the financial resources that you have. You know, and you're not going to let little things dictate to you, you know, um, you know, how much how much money, you know, you should. It's, it's, it's more of the principle than anything in, in certain situations. Well, yeah, I, I do a lot of things based on principle or just to see um, how creative I can be in doing things. Right. But I was having a conversation with someone recently about decorating their home. They just bought a home. They were a single person, and they wanted to decorate the entire home. And I asked them, um, we were having a discussion about other things that they wanted to do, and they were more worried about people coming into their home and having an opinion about why the home wasn't fully decorated. And when I thought about that, again, I, I can't tell them what to do with their money, but I could have you know just a conversation. And my personal feeling is that people aren't, helping me decorate my home, they don't have any say-so in what my home looks like. Right. Um, the You think about it, most of the people that come to your home are your friends and your family. Mm-hmm. Your friends and your family probably shouldn't be um, condemning you for not having a home fully decorated. They should be enjoying your success and understanding that the mindset of, um, well, let me decorate the home as I get more money makes more sense than let me go into debt trying to decorate this home to impress you mm. since, and I, I'm not even here, you know, I'm at work and I'm out, you know, I'm here to sleep. So I'm here maybe right. 10 hours a day. So right. 
to spend all that money on something that I can't fully benefit from might not make a lot of sense. But again, people have to make decisions that they have to make. Uh, again, my focus is let's make sound decisions and figure out how I can get the most out of what I can by making a sound decision. So eating out is a, a pleasure. You know, people treat themselves. The issue is, does it have to be luxury eating out? Or are you trying to just get some sustenance? Mm. If if I'm going to hang out with you, then we might be able to go. If, if the issue is keeping company, you know, we're having a good time together. We don't have to go to um, some of the expensive steakhouses in Buckhead to spend time together. Absolutely. We can go to you know um, some some you know burger place and do that. The issue is. What are you trying to get accomplished? I and mean, again, if the goal is to spend time, then we don't need to spend a lot of money to do that. We're spending mm. time. Mm. Um, so I think family should do the same thing with regards to how the family goes out to do things uh, from a standpoint of I, I don't need to impress my kids. <laughs> my, my goal is to raise my kids. Absolutely. My goal is to teach my kids uh, certain principles. But um, and I, I understand you want to expose your kids to things. But the idea of um, you know, spending all your money and going broke because kids want certain things, um, that, again, is a mindset that I don't have. I can't tell people they can't have that mindset. It's just a matter of, again, looking at the fact that exposure is different from, um, again, trying to maintain a lifestyle that you can't maintain the idea of having champagne taste on a beer budget you heard you heard that, st that statement before people yeah. want to have the champagne but they can't afford it so right. um we know that you know people like to dress do you have to go to the malls to get the clothes to, to have to look just as good as somebody who can go to a discount store and, and look good the good thing i like now is that people are willing to go to goodwill People are, right. are seeing Goodwill as a place that they can go get um, merchandise these days and have a certain fashion look that they want. Um, mm. And I'm not saying everybody does that, but uh, that actually saves people a ton of money. I, I know that for me, I mentioned playing golf is something I like to do. So from a standpoint of, I, would you a say lot of, like? Oh, I'd love to do. <laughs> yeah, <all right>. okay. <laughs> but most most of my golf attire has come from Goodwill. And I look at it from the standpoint of why would I spend more than five dollars on a short on some sh on a short on some set of shorts and five dollars on a shirt um, when I'm going out to play golf and sweat in it and uh, again I don't need to impress anybody on the golf course. Whereas if I go into a golf store and I was looking at trying to look at some sales in a golf store and the shirt regular price was ninety five dollars and I laughed because I thought about the fact that I could have a whole wardrobe of Goodwill shirts. $95. <laughs> so in, in that respect, um, people, again, have to decide where their priorities are and who are you trying to impress. Mm. It, again, I understand that people come from different backgrounds. And so if I grew up poor, maybe I want to see some of the finer side of life, which is perfectly fine. I, don't, I wouldn't want to deny anybody that. But then you get back to your reality. I make X number of dollars a year. And that X number of dollars has to go for 90 years. It, mm. has to, it has to take care of me now, and it has to take care of me in the future. And so if all of it goes on taking care of me now, there'll be no money to take care of me in the future. Now, I know I strayed away from your last question, but 
Uh, it's good see, stuff, though. I, I'm just trying to look at the fact that we're talking about BOYM. I'm not going to say it the, the way you say it, <laughs> but when it comes to making decisions, I, 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 I've stated before that your experiences are a part of who you are, um, the way you grew up, and as far as your, um, your, your family situation, the money you make, the bad. Um, things that make you happy if you're depressed all those things come into you know some of the decisions that you make and you know some of it might take counseling but the bottom line is the numbers are the numbers the numbers don't change if if you make x number of dollars you have to save a certain amount of money to get to the goals that you have that you want to get to it, that 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 can't be refuted so the only way that you can get around that is to figure out how to find vehicles that help you double dip, mm. help you not only be able to earn more interest and utilize other people's money and uh, protect your principal and protect your growth. When you can do that, that helps you double and triple dip. It doesn't mean you spend more money. It just means that basically what you've done is I had money in my right pocket and now I figured out how to um, get better use out of the money with it being in my left pocket. Mm. Because my right pocket had a hole in it, so um, I'm getting more benefit out of that money being in my left pocket because it doesn't have a hole in it. I didn't mm. have to make more money; I just needed to reposition the money so I didn't lose as much of it. Hey man, man, I'm about to. Okay, um, Doctor Copeland's Cash App is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't know how much this man charged for a financial plan, y'all. This is a blessing to have this brother. You know, if y'all, hey, look now, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to tell y'all, um, you know, the the nuggets and the jewels that he's dropping right now is like, bing, bing, bing. Like, if you just take away half of the things that he's dropping, you know, and I know I got some of our clients watching, so they know that these are strategies that, you know, that we put in listening on the podcast. Um, you know, and anybody that has done business with us, can tell you um, that the information that 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 we share with you, and the strategies that as long as you allow us to implement them for you, you would not you would not go wrong. And it warms my heart. Like I get text messages from our clients, uh, you know, saying, "Man, like just just talking to you, you know." you have changed my life. You know, you changed the way you have me thinking about the one thing I, I hear a lot, and I'm pretty sure you can allude to this, is that when we sit down with somebody to do a, to, to do a needs analysis with them, you're asking them questions. They're like, man, they never thought about that. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, but that's our job. You know, if you came to us saying, we, we gave you what you already knew, why do you need us? You know, um, we're supposed to know things that you don't know. That's 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 why you're meeting with us. Hopefully, that's why you're allowing us at, to, you know, to um, to manage your financial resources, you know, and to put you in positions to win. Because a lot of times, you know, um, I'll see clients that that are that are, they'll come in and they're sacrificing for their child's education, but not saving for retirement. And I know you got a thought about that. Uh, would you would would you mind sharing that thought, sir? 
What are your yeah, thoughts on that? I, I would have no problem <laughs> sharing that thought. So, um, if you if you just think about having a child is a you know one of the greatest blessings that you can have, but that child might go off and get married. The child might drop out of school. The child might get pregnant. Many things might happen that you spent money on that college education that you don't get the benefit of that college education, but you sacrificed all your retirement and then you have to try to rebuild from that point and, and forward. And the, you know, to, to take that a step farther, um, now that child, even if you spent the money on the child's college education, they, they got the degree, they decide to go out and get married, which you're happy about, but that spouse now has a different mindset about how they want to spend their money and that has nothing to do with you. You're still out there on your own trying to figure out how you're going to get through retirement. Mm -hmm. Your child may not be there for you in retirement as much as they love you because now they're focused on their career, their household. Right. So the there is a possibility for a child to take loans and still get through life paying off those loans. But if you spend your retirement to get your child through college, you're not getting that money back unless, again, that child decides that they're going to take care of you and you know sacrifice their life to take care of you <laughs> in retirement. That may happen, but it's unlikely that it will happen. So mm -hmm. there's enough strategies that we can discuss that could help you do both, help mm -hmm. you both take care of your child, um, fo focus on your retirement, and even if the child took student loans, to be able to sh show you how you can move that money from one side of a vehicle to another side to pay off those student loans. Mm. Mm, profound, man. Uh, that is one of the things that, you know, that um, I, I uh, it kind of saddens me a little bit when I see parents go, yeah, you know, I'm putting all this money, I, you know, towards my child's education. I'm like, well, you know, hopefully if your child is, your child should be focused on their education so you won't have to have to give them money for their education because of scholarships, grants, and stuff like that. So, you know, um, I get that, you know, people, and, and I also feel like you're, 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 you're imposing a burden on the child before they can even decide, kind of, kind of alluding to your point, right? Which is why you see so many parents, you know, when they get elderly, end up in retirement homes because of the kid, like, I ain't never, hey, you ain't, you didn't ask me. <laughs> well, I, I so, so we do want to look at this too. Um, my maybe I didn't. Maybe I never went to college. Maybe I want my child to have a step up. So I, I get want that. to be sure my child goes to college. Yeah. I accept that. There, there are certainly people that want to see that happen, and I, right. I'm a firm believer of that. If you, but you could also look at it this way: um, your child could go to a junior college. For the first two years mm. and get all the same core courses out of the way yeah. that they would going to a private school because all those core courses transfer over mm -hmm. your child could spend their final year at harvard and get a degree degree from harvard because they transferred all those other courses in right. but where they graduated from is where they graduated from nobody really cares where you spent your first two years except right. for i partied for two years in my freshman and sophomore year <laughs> right. and that, i might care about that but the final thing is where you graduated from you mm. can transfer to you know Stanford at 
um, you know, your senior year or close to it and, and still end up with a Stanford degree, the, the mm. courses that you took prior to that really didn't matter. It helped, you know, again, it transferred in, but right. it didn't, the, the bottom line is where you graduated from. So mm. I could spend 70,000 a year to um, go to school. And so in four years, I spent close to 300,000. Well, you know, room and board and all that is $300,000. Or I could go to a state school because I maintain a B average, get the Hope Scholarship and, you know, spend almost nothing two to two and a half, three years, and then maybe spend that last year at a private school or one of the Ivy League schools, if that's what I wanted to do, and still graduate with that degree. Mm. That's a lot less debt, I would think. That's certainly well under 300000 It's mm. It's under 100000 at at that point. Mm. Man, that is a, man... Man, you you. This is one way, man's opinion. One man's opinion. <laughs> right, but I'm not telling people what to do with their money. Right, it's a very informed opinion, though. Uh, somebody that has a lot of experience handling a lot of money. So, um, man, just having you on this show, man, has been a blessing to me. I learned something again. I learned some more stuff tonight. You know, uh, and we work together pretty much every day. Um, I just want to thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, thank you for imparting your wisdom, you know, and to the audience. And I hope that everybody understands, you know, what um, the, the, the subject matter that, that we've talked about. If anybody has any questions, um, how can they reach you? Do you have a website? I know, I know your email address, but I want you to give it out. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, our, our, and, and you, oh, before I forget, this brother is also an author. You know, he's got, you know, um, you know, uh, he writes and does all kinds of things. So uh, can you, you know, just give us some, you know, some contact information for you if people want to reach out to you after this? Um, so I would ha not have a problem with anyone reaching out to me. What I'm cautious about from a compliance standpoint as far as giving out my contact. So I would say they could reach out to your show and okay. get any of my contact information from you th through your show. Absolutely. But from a compliance standpoint, because I am licensed um, to uh, sell various products out there, I just need to make sure that from a regulatory issue, uh, I'm not um, putting information out there that I shouldn't be putting out. Understood, understood. So I, I'm not trying to market my services is right. the whole point. <laughs> Absolutely. So just hit me up if y'all need any. And of course, if you work with me, you you have heard his, his name numerous times. I always talk about the the uh, magician in the back room that doesn't like to be seen. You're seeing him now. Uh, <laughs> you, you tricked me into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tricked him in. He thought that he was just going to be on the audio podcast, y'all. He he ain't know we was going to have his beautiful face, you know, all up, you know, shining, you know. You know, and I guess he kind of told me earlier, you know, by using the acronym for the show that I am not saying the business of your mind. I guess guess we're not gonna get that out of the cool doctor, huh? We 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 can't we can't get one. We can't get one doc. We can't so, get a business. Since since you are my friend, I will I will I will go. I'll I'll tag team with you, and I'll I'll say it with you. All right. Okay. So three. Two, one. 
the business the of, of, of your mind. mind. There you go. You know, I ain't hear him, y'all. I think he just played me there, but it's all good. <laughs> he used my audio for his audio. But uh, this has been a phenomenal show. I hope you all have learned some things. Uh, our next show is going to be about relationships. Man, y'all are going to love it. I had, I had this conversation with a couple of people that watched the last episode, and we got into some deep subject matter. And I think that you all are going to find this next episode very enlightening and insightful. Uh, Dr. Copeland, uh, it has been a pleasure, brother. And I, of course, I don't ca- walk around calling this this guy doctor all the time. I call him other stuff, you know, because he's like a big brother to me. So, but for the purpose of this show, Dr. Copeland. Uh, <laughs> An older brother. <laughs> yes, yes. Much older brother. Um, he's He, he can actually be a father. But we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> uh, want to thank you all for watching this episode of the Business of Your Mind, and I pray that you all have a phenomenal week. And that if you need to reach out to us, and I pray that you do, reach out to us. We would love to help you meet your goals. And this is another episode of the world's greatest podcast. <laughs>